following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Beginning in verse 26, I would like to say I'm glad to see Shadira, but I won't. (laughs) Yeah, secretly, very secretly, amen. You know, I'm having trouble hearing that, and I, I'm sure I didn't catch a bit of that. Amen. I would like to ask you to pray for my mom, though. I talked to her yesterday for a couple hours on the phone, and I'm glad I did. At the time, she was telling me she wasn't feeling that good, and I encouraged her to go to the doctor. She was going to go into the walk-in clinic this morning and uh, ended up in the emergency room. She's now in the hospital. Not sure exactly what's wrong, but I'd, uh, I'd ask your prayers for her. She's 81, and... Uh, she hasn't have a had a, hasn't have a hasn't had a COVID shot, and listen, I don't I don't push people to do that. That's your your choice if you want to do that. And I've talked to my mom, and she just didn't feel like she wanted to do it, so she didn't. And that's her choice, and her life is in God's hands. And uh, tell you what, I don't want to lose her. I love my mom, and I had a good time talking to her yesterday, and talked to her for a couple of months because of all the crazy stuff going on. And so I spent time on the phone with her and um, uh, so pray for her amen I, I know she's saved if she dies she passes she'll be with the Lord but I'm not ready for that amen uh, John 12 let's begin in verse 20 John 12 beginning in verse 20 and there were certain uh, Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast the same came for, uh, therefore to Philip which was Bethsaida of Galilee and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew, and, and, and again Andrew uh, and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come, that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal." If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, for this cause came I unto this hour. And Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven, saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it said it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answering said that this voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This uh, he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered, we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have the light, lest uh, darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them, from this passage, as we're talking about honoring Christ, uh, we want to continue with this subject this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Father, thank you for being uh, the God that you are. 
Father God, that we can cast our burdens upon. I pray, Father, that, Lord, as I think of my mom this morning, God, thank you for her salvation. Father, thank you for her, your goodness to her. And Lord, you know my heart, I don't want to lose my mom, not yet. But Lord, it's all in thy hands. I pray thy will be done, thy name be glorified. And God, thank you for the time I had talking to her last yesterday. And yet, Father, I'd like to see her again once more. And Father, Lord, be with her. And Father, be with me as I preach thy word this morning. God, help me to focus my heart's attention on the things you've given me to give to your people. God, bless us. Bless the time we spend here. Father, help us, Lord, to, to love you and live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, honoring Christ. We have talked about who were those that uh, sought to honor Christ. We talked about the Greeks and then uh, <clears throat> that were come to, to worship the Lord, if you will, and to honor Christ. We talked about how were they to honor Christ. They were to follow Christ in his death. <clears throat> they were to follow him in a fruitful, resurrected life. And this morning from verses 27 to 36, we want to begin to talk about how God the Father honors Christ through his voice from heaven, through his voice from heaven. <clears throat> if you will, looking at verse 27 again. <clears throat> now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I into this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. We find here that God himself spoke from heaven uh, to honor Christ. And uh, what a blessing it was that he did in Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter 1, looking at verse 16, we know that the word of God, <clears throat> and God, this is not the first time God the Father had spoke concerning his son to honor him. In Second Peter 1, looking at verse 16, 2 Peter 1, and looking at verse 16, the Bible says, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in uh, the Holy Mount. This is referring back to the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17. Matthew 17 and verse 1, where they, they witnessed Christ, um, <clears throat> uh, witnessed him in his pre-incarnate glory in uh, <clears throat> Matthew 17 and 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. His face did shine as the sun, his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto, him, Mo, unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. And while he had spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So God had spoken from heaven in this particular time as they saw Christ in his pre-incarnate glory, as he talked with Moses and Elias, which were alive, though they were dead. They died physically. They were alive. 
and well in heaven. And I don't want to uh, forget to say this. I'm glad that uh, those who have been sick have recovered and are here with us today. I don't ever want to uh, diminish that and the importance of that. But here, the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what Peter was referring to in 2 Peter 1, verses 16 through 18, and also had been heard <clears throat> by John Baptist at the baptism of Christ in Matthew chapter 3. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, and beginning in verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Christ went out of his way uh, to walk 60 miles to get baptized by John Baptist. The only man sent of God, authorized by God to baptize, to baptize the converts that he preached the gospel to. Now Christ is the gospel himself. He came to get scriptural baptism as he would be the pastor of the first church in Jerusalem that he would establish in verse 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, um, <clears throat> stepped out from under the fount and the sprinkling. Now, what does the Bible say? And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. He was immersed in water, baptized, immersed in water. And lo, the heavens were open unto him, and, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. <coughs> Excuse me, in a low a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, <coughs> in whom I am well pleased. We find here... Uh, God the Father, if you will, gives his stamp of approval on scriptural baptism. And the man that would administer that baptism, the man sent from God, then a church established by God, authorized by God uh, to uh, baptize the converts, being a Baptist church, something we shouldn't have to be ashamed of. We shouldn't be. And yet it was all about, in one sense, not only uh, showing his approval of scriptural baptism, but honoring his son. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And it was a voice from heaven itself that declared this in John 12 and verse 30. John 12 and uh, verse 30. Jesus said something important here. He says, in verse 30, Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now, God was honoring the Son from heaven. The voice came in honor of his Son, but for the sake of those that were listening, those that were there to hear it. And folks, thanks be to God that uh, God has given us a record of, a, of his voice this, when, we, when I take the Bible, I'm taking the voice of Almighty God for man, the Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Bible, and God still speaks to man through His Word. God still honors His Son through the preaching of His Word in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I will always, as long as I live and uh, uh, preach the Word of God for the Lord, will always emphasize the importance of, of the written word of God, 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 13. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 13, Paul writes to Timothy, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
And so it's important as, as the deceivers are waxing worse and worse that we affirm, constantly affirm, the truth of God's word, that it is the voice of God from heaven. He says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So God has given us his voice from heaven, preserved it for us as uh, English-speaking people, as God's people saved by the grace of God, so that we'll know uh, what God the Father thinks of his Son and how he honors uh, his Son, honored him then, and continues to honor him as uh, we preach his word in Second uh, Peter 1. Looking at verse 19 now, 2 Peter 1, and looking at verse 19. As Peter continues to the end of the chapter, 2 Peter 1 and verse 19, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts knowing this first that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. God has given us his voice from heaven, and he says we need to take heed to it. Now when we come to church, I'm not just here reading verses so that you and I can read them and forget about them. So that we can read them and forget about them. So that we can read them and not take them with us. You know, folks, we, I spend the time laboring. I feel like a, sometimes like a wife who spent some time in the kitchen laboring over a meal. And it, it's sad when maybe sometimes the, the, the children don't come to the table or the husband. You know, I'm, I remember growing up, uh, my mom would cook supper every evening, but my dad was very seldom home to eat that supper. And I can remember the times when my mom would have me call the NCO club to find my dad and see if he's going to come home to eat. What a What a... You know, it was a very discouraging thing for my mom to live with that kind of a man who cared little or nothing at all uh, at being home with us for meals and, and being there to eat his wife's food. And folks, you know what? God has prepared a meal for you and I, and God doesn't want us to just uh, come and, and qu eat, qu eat fast and leave and forget it. God wants us to take some time to think about it and consider it and digest it to meditate on it and so that God can do provide, if you will, spiritual nourishment uh, for you and I, amen? And he goes on to say here <clears throat> uh, that we're to take heed to these things. The, the things we're talking about in our text now in John 12 are things that God would have us to take heed. Now look back to our text in John 12 and see what it is uh, that uh, God the Father wants us to consider about his son as he honors uh, his son from, with a voice from heaven. Looking at verse 27 again in John 12, uh, Jesus said this, Now is my soul troubled. Now is my soul troubled. The first thing we want to consider this morning is the trouble of Christ. Now he's troubled here. What is he troubled over? Well, he is anticipating... Uh, being glorified in his sacrifice, the sacrifice of himself on the cross of Calvary uh, for the sins of the world. But it's interesting 
that he says, now is my soul troubled. There were things that troubled Christ. Now remember this, Jesus Christ uh, was not only the son of God, but he's the son of man. And as we talk about the things that he is troubled about, the things that we need to take heed to this morning is the trouble for Christ. If you will, the word troubled means to be disturbed, agitated, afflicted. And, you know, sometimes, folks, we get disturbed and agitated about things. Amen. As a matter of fact, uh, when uh, my brother called this morning just before church, I got a little agitated when I found out. I knew my mom hadn't been feeling that well, but now she's in the hospital. You know, things agitate us, don't they? They upset us at times. And yet we have to go on. Here the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of Man, is agitated uh, by some things, if you will, In verse 34, uh, the Bible says, uh, The people answered, and we have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? You know, he's dealing with people who were struggling with trying to get a hold of just who he really is. And they're saying, who is this Son of Man? They said, the Son abideth forever. Now they're thinking about the Son of God here, the Son of Man, and Jesus is speaking of the fact that he's going to to eventually be lifted up. He's going to the cross of Calvary. And there's there's some struggle going on in his mind and his heart. You know, there's uh, he, he has prophesied, if you will, look with me to Genesis 3 and 14 and 15. Genesis 3, verses 14 and 15. <clears throat> <clears throat> Here is Christ is dealing with man and the devil at the fall. The Bible says in verse 14 in Genesis 3, The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. He's pronouncing judgment upon Satan, but the final judgment we find here in verse 15, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, the seed of, of Satan was now man because of the fall. He was no longer innocent in the eyes of a holy God. He had followed the devil. He said, between thy seed and her seed, he's talking about the seed of the woman. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. The, de- the death blow that God would give to Satan would be Uh, through the seed of the woman, the virgin-born Son of God. Now, Satan would seek to destroy Christ, and yet Christ would win a victory over even those who'd sought to destroy him. But he was troubled because, folks, he was a man. He would come into this world and be a man, the seed of a woman, Isaiah 7 and 14. Isaiah 7 and 14, the Bible speaks of these things, and on purpose. Isaiah 7 and verse 14. And these things are not just for Christmas, amen. Sometimes we confuse uh, some of the word of God as if it's just for special holidays. I mean, let's not read Isaiah 14 outside of Christmas time, amen. I mean, what a sacrilege, what nonsense. Isaiah 7 and 14, here's a prophecy of Christ. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, meaning, if you will, God with us in Matthew 1. Matthew chapter 1. We see the fulfillment of that in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 1. 
beginning in verse 18. Matthew 1, beginning in verse 18. Here the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his uh, mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That means she was uh, the miraculous uh, conception in her womb was by the power of Almighty God, the power of the Holy Spirit. She had not been immoral or ungodly. She was married, to, she was, if you will, espoused or betrothed to Joseph. They were not yet, they had not yet come together in marriage. In verse 19, then Joseph, her husband being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. <coughs> As we've said before, that he was thinking, contemplating divorce. The only time he could divorce her was during the betrothal, the espousal, the engagement period. Not after they had come together in the covenant of marriage. Verse 20, and but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared in him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Joseph is a just man, is saved by the grace of God, wanting to do the will of God, is getting direction from God. Here, and it says, and he and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, it means Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, what, is he, what, what prophet is he referring to? Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, <clears throat> and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Here we see the, the birth of Christ, that Christ had to become a man. God had to be a man if the proper sacrifice would be able to be made, if there would be able to, blood be able to be let, if you will. And folks, Christ died a bloody death. But he died, he died as a man, the man Christ Jesus, God with us. You say, well, how is this? I mean, he's a man and yet he's God. How can this be by a miracle of God, a genuine miracle of God? <clears throat> and God is still a God of miracles, amen? And so as we talk about <clears throat> his trouble, we want to consider first his trouble as the Son of Man, he would suffer physically, which troubled him. So, well, how do you know it would trouble him? Let me, let, me, let me remind you of something. He is a man, and yet he is God. As God, he could see that he knew the end from the beginning. And I have to imagine sometimes in my mind's eye, if Christ did not replay what he already knew was going to come. He already knew that he would suffer a death like not many people would ever suffer. And he would suffer physically. The Bible says that Christ was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet without sin. And sometimes the temptation speaks of more than temptation to sin, but if you will, uh, temptations or trials and difficulties. You know, the, one of the greatest trials that men go through is the trial of death. And he was going to go through the, one of the most heinous deaths known to man. Die as a criminal, die, if you will, a torture type of a death. Look with me to Matthew 27. Matthew 27. 
And look at verse 24, Matthew 27, and looking at verse 24. Here the Bible says, When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you too. Now, again, we know that Christ did not die for any wrongdoing. He was guilty of nothing except being God in the flesh. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus... Now he was scourging him with something called the cat of nine tails that had bits of metal and what have you uh, sewn into the leather thongs that came from this instrument. And they should have only scourged him because he was guilty of some wrongdoing. And he was guilty, yet he was guilty of nothing. Which made what was going on even, even more heinous. I mean, here's an innocent man. And they're taking a cat of nine tails and literally ripping him to pieces. When Christ went to the cross of Calvary, he was a bloody mess. He was already shedding his blood. Already suffering for you and I. And I'm going to tell you something. What I've read about this, it was so so painful to literally rip cuts within the flesh and they would become inflamed. And the pain had to be just tremendous. You ever cut yourself badly? And, you know, initially when you cut yourself, you don't feel anything. But not long afterward, you begin to feel the pain. It begins to throb and get, you know. And I'm going to tell you something. Maybe initially when it first happened, maybe you didn't feel everything. But I'll tell you what. I think God the Father intended that he feel everything. Everything for you and I. See, folks, to... to Die in sin is to go to a place of suffering. Not a place of, I'm going to be out in hell with my buddies. We're going to have a wild party. Everything is going to be cool. Wrong. Hell is a place of suffering and torment. So when Christ was being scourged, it was a torment to him physically. You know, the people in hell will be tormented physically forever and forever. And I don't take glory in that. But it's a fact of God and his word. And Christ suffered for you and I, scourged. Jesus, he delivered, uh, scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered him, gathered uh, unto him the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put uh, stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe i mean they you know what folks they were abusing him made him naked before his enemies put a scarlet robe on him and when they had plaited a crown of thorns not a victory crown but a crown of thorns my wife has a has a replica of, a, of the crown of thorns that they put on the head of christ And what a terrible thing it was. Not only to put it on his head, but to take him and beat beat on his head to make sure that it sunk down into the flesh and tortured him and tormented him. These people could have cared less what they did to him. 
They put, a, put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him. Spit in his face. You ever had someone spit in your face? You know, I can't stand to be slapped in the face. My first natural reaction is somebody slaps me in the face, and I want to wa- haul off and whack somebody. I don't even like to play that way. I don't even like to play that way. Can you imagine someone smacking in the face, someone spitting in your face? Their vile, filthy spit in your face, and there's nothing you can do about it but take it? Bible says he didn't fight it. He took it. Now, you know what? He took the shame of it, the mockery of it, for you and I. For you and I. And after they had mocked him, after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to be crucified. You know, <clears throat> and as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they were come to the place of Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to, uh, to drink, mingled with gall, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And it was, it was something to deaden the pain. Now they were trying, listen, they might have been trying to show some mercy to him. Christ rejected any show of mercy because Christ had to bear the full brunt, the full brunt of our torment on himself. He refused it on purpose. In verse 35, And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there and set up over his head his accusation, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then were there two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand, one on the other. Folks, the shame, the humiliation, the, uh, just the whole thought of it all. Now you think about this for a moment. Jesus is the Son of Man. He is a man like no other man. A man that could see and know the future and maybe see down to the very details of everything he would suffer physically. And don't tell me, don't tell me for a moment that Christ was not agitated or troubled by that. Have you ever anticipated maybe going to the doctor for surgery? You know, when I had cancer, you know, I wasn't as worried about cancer as I was the surgery for cancer. I was a chicken. Amen? The last thing I wanted to do was have myself cut open and some guy digging around in my guts. And then having to live with whatever pain I had after the fact. And I didn't turn out to be as bad as I thought because I was on drugs. <laughs> At least for a time. It wasn't as bad as I imagined it to be. But folks, there was no way when Christ knew what was going to happen that he was going to get away from any of it. There were no pain pills for him. When they tried to give him something that would deaden the pain, he refused it. Because he on purpose was going to that place 
for you and I to suffer for you and I. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. And if you will look at verse 9. But we see Jesus, Hebrews 2 and 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it became him for whom are all, are all things and by whom are all things, and bringing many sons into glory to make the captive of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and them who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee, and again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children which God hath given me. You know, folks, <clears throat> Christ suffered all of that. He suffered all of that for you and I. And someone who says that God doesn't love you, stop and think about it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Folks, he didn't give him as this, as this little gift wrapped up in a special little box and just quaint. And Folks, we're talking about a Christ, the son of the living God, the son of man, who went to the most, one of the most cruel and heinous forms of death known, and he was numbered with criminals. All of that as a man. All of that for you and I. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. <clears throat> Bible says here, <clears throat> Christ, Galatians 3 and 13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Folks, he became a curse for us. Bore the curse and shame of our sin. And it was a cursed thing for someone to be hanged on a tree and crucified in that manner. Say, does God love me? Surely he does. Christ, he said, he said he was troubled as the Son of Man. And not only that, as the Son of God, he would suffer spiritually, which troubled him. Which troubled him. If you will, John 6. John 6 and 66. <clears throat> John 6 and 66. From that time, many of his, of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Now watch verse 69. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now God had already declared him to be his son. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now his disciples, short of Judas, believe with all their heart that he is the Son of of God but as the son he would be troubled by going to the cross of Calvary in Matthew 27 and 39 Matthew 27 and look at verse 39 
Matthew 27, beginning verse 39. And they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Let me say this. Don't tell me for a moment that Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, isn't bothered by our unbelief as human beings. Jesus is the Son of God and declared to be so with power. No one is like Christ. No one has ever been like Christ. And to treat him as if he's anything less than the Son of God is an affront to God. And yet these were, they were mocking him, if thou be the, the Son of God, uh, come down from the cross. Likewise, all the chief, chief priests mocking him with the scribes and elders said, he saved others himself, he cannot save. If he be uh, the king of the Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now if he will have him, for he said, I am the son of God. And you know what, folks? They said, if he be the son of God, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe him. The reality was that he could not come down from the cross of Calvary. The only way that we could be saved is that he stayed on that cross and suffered and died for you and I. Salvation is in the death and resurrection of Christ, the death of Christ as a sacrifice on the altar of the cross of Calvary. They mocked him. Verse 44, the thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth, meaning they said the same things, although we know one finally was saved by the grace of God as he observed him. Verse 45, now the sixth hour was there, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? One of the darkest times in human history was when Christ hung between heaven and earth on the cross of Calvary and became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When pure holiness took all of the unholy ungodliness of man upon himself. Folks, darkness. You know, the Bible speaks of the darkness of sin. And darkness covered the face of the entire, darkness covered Christ on the cross of Calvary because he became sin for us who knew no sin. Say, well, how is that? How was that? I don't know. But darkness covered everything to do with Christ at that point. And for the first time in in the life of the Son of God, God the Father turned his back on his Son that had become sin for you and I, the sin bearer. He had to turn away from sin. The Bible says our sins have separated between us and our God, you and your God. And he has hid his face from us. Do you know something, folks? God the Father hid his face from his Son And the son said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He had to. He had to forsake him. The son had to bear the sin of the world. 
that we might have salvation through him. Was Christ troubled? You bet. Jesus was troubled. And I'm sure because of what he had to go through physically. He was a man. But then to be God and to become sin for you and I was more than, you know, I think, I think more than he felt like he could bear. That's why in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. If there's any other way, and there's no other way, no other way but God's way through Jesus Christ. Amen? And we'll talk about other things later. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.